I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Call it out. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boss says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! You're certifiable, Quint, you know that? You're certifiable! Hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the latest Spool Monthly Podcast with Pork McGill. Hello. And me, Nigel Weekly. Do you tune into a podcast? Sure. Or is yeah. it, do you I tune into a podcast? Uh, anyway, uh, we haven't been to the cinema a huge amount in the last month, but we've managed to cram them in in the last couple of days, or I have in particular. Um, a lot of sport going on. A lot of sport, a lot of life going on. But we've got reviews and discussion on Now You See Me 2, which is out in a couple of days, The Conjuring 2, The Boss, Embrace of the Serpent, Elvis and Nixon. Uh, that it? Maybe a bit of chat on Independence Day to Maggie's plan, a few other things like yeah. that. So uh, we might kick right off with we're just out of Now You See Me 2. We've gone literally, I cycled, you drove. Yeah, we're here. It's magical. 10 minutes. It's literally magic. Let's take a clip to kind of set the scene a little bit. Here's the most distinctive voice in cinema, Mr. Morgan Freeman. The eye. It may not lie. But don't think for a moment that it can't be lied to. Seeing is believing, but is it truth? People see the horsemen as noble Robin Hoods, are they? Or are they common thieves? Depends on your point of view. Here's what you know. They robbed a bank in Paris from a stage in Las Vegas. They fleeced an insurance magnet of hundreds of millions of dollars and disappeared from a roof in New York, always showering their devoted fans with money. Here's what you don't know. They left one man behind, framed, holding the bag. Me. Are you listening, horseman? When you emerge, and you will, I will be there, waiting. Because mark my words, you will get what's coming to you in ways you can't expect. Are you sure that wasn't Samuel L. Jackson? No, that's he has the most distinctive voice in it. Okay. And he also before I even let you intro it, I've always made this point about certain actors just being in it for the money nowadays. There's a wonderful scene in this where Michael Caine hands a brown envelope full of money. Which I think I just want to see that made into a gif. Yeah, Michael, yeah. Michael Caine handing Morgan Freeman a big wad of cash for a stupid film. Yeah. So there's the first spoiler of the film that Michael Caine is crowbarred into it. Uh, so obviously Now You See Me 2 is the sequel to Now You See Me. And uh, it stars Jesse Eisenberg, Mark Ruffalo, Woody Harrelson, uh, Dave Franco. We have no Elsa Fisher here. She was replaced by uh, Lizzie Kaplan. Why? Apparently, yeah. So I was looking this up online and she was pregnant. Oh. No, that's probably what she's saying, but maybe just like, look, the first one's a bag of shit. This one's pretty much the same. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with it. Sasha Baron Cohen's wife. Wife, yeah. And the, he, he would, like, the marital advice she would get from Sasha Baron Cohen is never be in a bad film. You yeah. Know? So, like, uh, they, they talk about it for all of 10 seconds where it's like, oh, you left her and blah. Here's a new female to I replace like the one female. The way they set it up is all good sequels should that you didn't need to see the first one. Because the big reveal in the first one is that Mark Ruffalo is the guy behind the scenes pulling all the strings and he's not actually an FBI agent. 
So then they keep talking about this guy called Dylan at the start. And if you hadn't seen the first one, you're like, who's Dylan? And then the first scene, Mark Ruffalo walks into a place room. And like, what do you want, Dylan? And I was like, oh, yeah, I wondered how you were going to do that. Yeah. Uh, so the director is John M. Shu, And I was looking a bit about him and he did these series of films called LXD. And uh, they're like music did films. Did he do the first one? No, he didn't. Uh, it was a different director. But he is signed on for Now You See Me 3. So unfortunately, they all don't die. At the now end You Three Me. Hey, nice. Uh, but the director directed a film in 2011 called Secrets of the Ra. Now it's not the do with the IRA. It's some music film, but I just kind of thought that was funny. Uh, so the setup this time is that Nigel played the clip there of Morgan Freeman and he's in jail. And you think he is kind of, he wants his revenge on the, the four horsemen and... Mark Ruffalo still has them all in hiding and is getting this big, you know, because the whole thing they do is they rob from the rich and give back to the poor. And in this one, it's a whole tech giant thing. But again, it's all smoke and mirrors. There's loads more. Daniel Radcliffe comes into it. Loads of tricks, double plays, back to a really dumb thing where Woody Harrelson's twin brother from the first film turns up. Now, he's mentioned in the first film, but you never see him. But he turns up in this doing a weird kind of Matthew McConaughey type impersonation. Yeah, he has a lot of hair. He has very white teeth. I was waiting for one to hypnotise the other and them to replace each other and Woody Harrelson to rip off the wig. Yeah. That may, not to spoil the film, maybe that does happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Uh, so kind of my first, I hadn't seen the first one before seeing this. So I went out to Extravision at the weekend and uh, got a copy of it. And about five minutes in, I was like, this is a really dumb film. And I realised what I hate about magic on film is that it's just cgi it's just like oh we can do that and like the first one was absolutely full of it like elsa fisher gets into a bubble at one point and floats up to the top of the screen and she seemingly is a superhero in the first one so i kind of liked the second one because there was a bit more reality to it seemingly and but why it, is that due to magic consultant keith, keith barry. barry yeah who introed our screening yeah keith and you have a little magic show eagle and nigel uh, spotted him in the film so uh, watch out for that if you go see yeah, it. Yeah, tiny little cameo. Yeah. Um, so there is kind of a bit more in it. But to me, the whole concept of the film is just ridiculous. It's like a group of magicians have decided to become superheroes and the voice of poor people when they're probably the most, what, egocentric people in the world who are just in need of attention. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg playing himself. Um, I hate him so much. Yeah. Like yeah. he just, he can Yet only again. play the same character. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the, the other magic films then. I now have a Wikipedia page on it. Uh, and remember we had The Prestige and The Illusionists, the old-time magic. That With was Michael Caine di- in it, yeah. It yeah, like that was a different era of kind of magic movies where there was a bit of a mystery to the whole thing. But, um, yeah. This- and it's a, also like a heist hybrid because it was like, oh, I kind of want to watch Ocean's Eleven again. That's exactly what I thought. They did a casino bit with a heist and they did a bank vault kind of thing as well. And they're kind of going for that casino... Or, sorry Oceans yeah, 11 yeah that's were cool like yeah. there was that scene as well where it was slow motion there was loads of lights behind them that was just like yeah fucking Steven Soderbergh would do that with a you know a fountain or something you know yeah um, but it's good I thought Lizzie Kaplan um, as the new female interest in it was was great I think she's very funny um, yeah and had a bit of fun with her character and stereotypes and stuff yeah they did chuck in a line or two about how you know do you know how to drive that thing? And then she's like, of course I do. Do you? And not that sort of thing. Um, but pretty, I don't know. I'm pretty unimpressed by it in my instant reaction. It doesn't, I, I enjoy the the set pieces in it, the scenarios, the way they kind of do these these action bits and you enjoy them. But then you're like, oh, you've actually just gone and done some daft 
CGI thing that ruins this that actually was cool. Like old time card tricks are great when you see them um, done in it. But then when, you know, the person just throws a bunch of cards in the air and, it and a million other cards come out, you're just like, yeah. nah, that's just stupid. Yeah. But Daniel Radcliffe, again, kind of. And there was a nice joke to Harry Potter in that that was kind of thrown away. It's just like, oh, it's hard to get away from your younger magical selves or something. I was like, um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, if it's more the same of the first one. I didn't think it was as bad, but like, that's not saying much. I'd still probably give it two stars. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're going with the same mark. And I'm like, it was only a two star. So we're both... Uh, agreed on it but a lovely show from uh, and a, a nice kind of film and I do think it's a pretty brain dead nice you know don't have to think about it too much some fun set pieces so it'll probably make a load of money the first one did make big money didn't it mm. and the third one's already been confirmed because it's weird the way the culmination of it said at New Year's I was like did this get delayed and, or did they intend it to have it as New Year's or does that did anyone care really yeah I don't know mm. you spoiled it now it happens at the end of New Year, so yeah, what? That's fair enough, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but no, out on this Friday, right? Friday the f- f- second... Sorry, Friday the first? It's out, it's out. Of July. Yeah? Cool. Is it out next week? No, I don't know. You don't know? Yeah. We should probably learn that. Anyway, out yeah. soon. Now you see me too, coming soon. Um, another sort of sequel to a film from <laughs> that exact same year uh, is The Conjuring 2. So this is the sequel to the ridiculously successful 2014 horror film from James Wan who since then has directed Furious 7 and Insidious Chapter 2 so um, sorry just uh, was the guy in the Now You See Me 2 in the Macau joke shop is that the Asian guy from the Fast and Furious films no oh okay sorry Sorry. I don't think so okay we'll talk about it a little bit with Independence Day but there's a whole Chinese section in Now You See Me Too clearly they've gotten money from there and plan to make it really big there Transformers that style ah oh, yeah the identical thing happens in Independence Day where they just we're so cynical we are cynical but when it feels shoehorned in to out out of the world and the characters like that it's it's much more Chinese than an Amer- than a Hollywood film you're kind of a bit torn by the whole thing anyway uh, we'll go back to this, talking about horror if that's okay horror uh, the Conjuring 2 so yeah this James Wan of course did Saw Saw is now 12 years old which is bonkers but I I've got you want to see that on the screen yeah in the near, it's gone now. now departed screen cinema so I was interested in James Wan's profitability so I'm just going to run through some fun numbers because everyone loves numbers here um, Saw cost 1 million made 103 million Insidious cost 1.5 million made 97 million uh, The Conjuring 20 million made 300 and 18 million Insidious Chapter 2 cost 5 million made 161 million Furious 7 cost 190 million oh big I wonder what did it make 1.5 billion so like he's he can pretty much he make must whatever be he the wants the most profitable thing yeah. yeah and now The Conjuring 2 has already made 6 times it's on 250 million now he must having cost 40 actors. fuck all yeah now I'm really disappointed though because I was like wondering what James Wan is going to do next he's doing Aquaman so this was one of, this is teased in Man of Steel versus Batman Superman is the guy from Entourage going to be him Justice League Day uh, I don't know I don't know 
Sorry, that's like an entourage joke. That's an entourage joke. I don't know it. Can I give it the explanation? Not really. It was just like I'm pretty sure he plays Aquaman in Entourage. That's the film he's trying to get um, for the entire. Okay. Anyway, arc. Aquaman was teased in it, and yeah, I'm disappointed. But maybe the fact he's now involved suggests it will actually be pretty good. But uh, who knows? Anyway, so James Wan, his heart and his skill and the money he has kind of made is in horror, and he's a guy who loves horror, and he wants to go back to the days in the 1970s. If you read any interviews with him, where horror and the 80s where the horror directors were you know on a league or in a league and on a par with the likes of Spielberg so people loved whatever John Carpenter and all these guys as much so he wants people to go back to going to see big horror films and he's trying to make them kind of intelligently but for a mainstream audience and not just the torture Mm -hmm. porn stuff that got so popular for a long time well he did Saw but after he only did one Saw and then left it to the likes of uh, Eli Roth to kind of take that world of torturous you kind of got the impression that he really knows the genre just yeah. from the titles to the camera shots and everything yeah, and, the, kind of like in and the, the music and mm-hmm. he just yeah so you would hope he will continue to work in horror but anyway we should probably talk about the actual film um the, the conjuring 2 set in 1977 and it sees ghostbusters <laughs> aka the paranormal investigators ed and lorraine warren played by patrick wilson and vera Farmega. farmega uh they travel to england uh, where they encounter a kind of case where there's a single mother in a haunted house. She has four kids and one of the daughters is becoming possessed by a former resident of the house. And Ed and Lorraine have to work out whether it's linked to a case that they were kind of working on at home involving a demonic nun who's kind of torturing them. Marilyn Manson. Yeah, it did look very Marilyn Manson. Right? And um, I wonder, is it is it connected? Of course it is. So... Um, yeah. Yeah, the two of them, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, had a real kind of gravitas, I think. I think they're both very good and you have a lot of empathy toward them and you, they feel like a good, real married couple. Like Yeah, to me, about. the story, the love story between them or just the relationship story between them is really strong and that's why I almost yeah. kind of enjoyed the most about the film. Um, I've a lot of time for Patrick Wilson in that. He's just kind of, oh yeah, he's in it, you're kind of in safe hands yeah. with the film. Um, he's in the Insidious ones as well, so he knows mm. how to work with them. But normally in ho- Hollywood horror films, you don't care about the couples or the or they're trying to deliberately chuck doubt into the stability of their relationships and blah, blah, blah. And then one of them will die and you don't you won't care and yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's but, nice when the father isn't murdering everyone. Yeah, there's also a fun married couple in it. Uh, the Nottinghams I think is their second name Maria Doyle Kennedy and Simon Delaney the Irish duo uh, which was very strange to see Simon Delaney yeah I had no idea Simon Delaney of of Roy of Bachelors no of of all of just stuff Irish stuff and then he's in this big he's a Mumbai Hollywood thing but he was in that uh, Delivery Man with Vince Vaughn he's his brother so he kind of I think he has a few He's, contacts and he now has he obviously has a good agent but the scene of him trying to break down a door takes a long time with a little tiny axe yeah. and like, come on Simon put the back into it um, but my um, speaking of doors my favourite thing about the film without giving too much about the plot or the thing um, away because I don't know there's not a whole lot to the plot but it's how the production design how the sets and England is kind of built England of the 1970s in like a council estate looks like a kip. feels really real yeah and in the house the walls the mouldy kind of walls and the furniture and the wooden stuff and the floorboards like I just thought that that was perfect and I never say that with with a film like that because you wouldn't really notice that but it just felt right of course it was lit um, 
as a horror film should be uh, rather dramatically and gloomily but I don't know I felt very I felt like I was actually in the house I love that that's my favourite mm. thing about a good horror film is you're in in the one set you get to know each room each doorway very exorcist like where it is just yeah. the house and you kind of have the young girl for me it kind of lost it a bit when the evil became real like again I was most scared at the start where you don't really know what's going on when it's a psychological yeah the various bits with the tent in the hall oh yeah very freaky but then when it kind of becomes a real thing I'm just like oh it's not that scary yeah. right okay is it based in some level of truth I didn't they kind of do that Never thing ended up on at the, the end page. is where they do they show you the real footage and you're like I don't know if I believe this there probably yeah. is some modicum of truth in it but like if yeah. do you believe it, in ghosts exactly and this is a film where um, Ed and Lorraine are, are staunch Roman Catholic believers and defenders of the church and of their faith and like the exorcist it actually comes back to faith in a way and um i don't know like i have as you know i have a sick interest in um the kind of conservative catholic media's uh reviews of films so i haven't read any of them whether they approve of this and how stuff is presented but it, it ultimately it's about pretty strong faith yeah. yeah so i would imagine they're probably relatively positive about it but um anyway yeah it, it's not it's not a patch on the first film to be fair like in the way that from what I remember of Insidious 2 and Insidious 1 that the sequel felt kind of perfunctionary and everything and yeah. I'm glad they did this in a way because it's nice to spend time with them but it just didn't have that originality or and there's or, a nod to the in the country too at the start the Amityville Horror which was these are the couple that are in the Amityville Horror but yeah. they never really talk about it because that film's been done twice already yeah and I, I did wonder that and I was like did we know this or why did they f- is that that's obviously based the truth on, part yeah on kind the, of this couple yeah. you know and then they went with it and ran with it kind of the mother also looked a bit like Sally Hawkins I thought yeah but she wasn't Sally Hawkins no, yeah. I, had to, I had to just confirm that yeah mm. the accents and everything of the young girls um, yeah it was a nice family unit as well you were kind of like oh yeah yeah there's a mention as well she's a single mother and there's a dad mm. and um, you kind of there's a sense that without giving anything away that maybe that dad could end up playing a part as a spiritual force or whatever but uh, yeah I don't know mm. not necessarily um, but it's enough though I can't, I can't remember yeah. the last kind of decent horror scene well th- this is the thing that he, well, the he sort of maybe. says there's not that many big large scale traditional horror films and this is probably one of the best screen one in Sly that's where it was on was it? Yeah. So it got the yeah, got the big money, made two hundred and forty million already. So um anyway, we're checking out, but I'm giving it like I'm in, in the kind of three I give it three, yeah. And a quarter maybe. Um I also saw this film in two halves. Um if you I didn't tell you the story. So I went to this one morning before work uh, last week and didn't realise that it's two hours and twenty minutes long or something. Is it? It's incredibly long. Wow. And I had to leave after an hour and forty five minutes, so I don't know how this... It left me at a relatively tense point in a basement. Oh, in yeah. In a flooding yeah, basement. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I actually have to go now. I've never done that. I've yeah. never had to go somewhere. Never checked the time because you go in thinking Hollywood horror, it's going to be like 99 90. minutes. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be down the minute. And I just had a look at my watch and I was like, I actually have to leave. So then I went back in and uh, caught it then the, another time. Watched the From that point, I had it timed. It was the ultimate nerdy thing brilliant um, yeah. old school well it was yeah it was kind of kind of funny though and nice to kind of split them like in the way people used to when they got the from Extra Vision you'd rent it on the Friday you get two films you'd have them both till Sunday and you might get through one and a half on the Friday yeah yeah and have to pop in midway through mm. good fun uh, The Boss yeah 
Okay. Is she here? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so this is the latest. I think this is done quite well as well. Melissa McCarthy, uh, comedy vehicle. She plays uh, Mitchell Darnell, who's one of the richest women in America. Loses all her money because she's made a lot of it through insider trade and goes to jail for a while. Very minimum security jail. Comes out and... Very, very sort of based off... Uh, Tick tock tick. Can't remember. We know who we both Wolf know. Wall Martha Street. Stewart. Oh, okay. I thought. Oh, yeah. Her kind of sort. Yeah, yeah. She mentions Martha Stewart in oh, there. Oh, true enough. Yeah. So anyway, she gets Which out of the jail. The series of Orange Is the New Black is loosely referring to as well. The Martha Stewart. Did stuff. she make a cameo? No, but just there's a celebrity thing. I've only seen three episodes, but uh, are you watching it? No. no. Stop watching it. Tune that. Oh, sure. Too Season many women. Too. Yeah. I know women. You, I know you don't uh, like women on getting these jobs. So anyway. Uh, Melissa McCarthy then gets out of jail, ends up on the couch of Kristen Bell, who plays Claire, who was her kind of PA in her rich high life. And so she's done now. She's got nothing going for her. Realizes Claire's daughter is involved in kind of like the Girl Scouts. You know, she goes around selling cookies or the brownies or whatever it's called. And then Melissa McCarthy realizes they're not making any money from this. They're just doing it volunteering. So she says for every brownie or batch of brownies you sell, We'll give you like 10 bucks and we'll also save money for a college education. So she starts this big empire up again and brings Claire along with her, kind of hates her job. But then there's kind of complications and, you know, plot and drama and all that. And there's a conflict, then it gets resolved. And plot and drama and yeah, all that. you know. Peter Dinklage is in it, Game of Thrones. People geek out about that, playing an absolutely stupid character. He does this really daft voice as well and he's like an old love interest to Melissa McCarthy and the bad guy in the film. And then Timothy Simons is in it uh, who people will recognise as Joan from Veep and he's criminally underused in this. He's just like a buffoon. Um, I know there's a genius line in the film where it's kind of a comedy thing where it, it's almost so funny you don't laugh at it. You just kind of are stopped at amazement where she's talking about the logo for the brownies about bending over an oven and she doesn't want the daughter to hear oh yeah I was just like ah that's worth the money alone going yeah. in to see it so there is kind of lots of good messages for young girls to you know like be empowered you can do it and you know you don't need to rely on a man make your own money interesting bit of trivia is Ben Falcone uh, directed it he's married to Melissa McCarthy you know the husband oh I know this yeah yeah so he directed the film sets and he has a wee cameo on it as well coupled with the sex tape from the end of Bridesmaids yeah and it's his second he also directed Tammy which I think kind of flopped I didn't even see that I quite like Tammy yeah this did okay but I like that they're working together yeah even if it's what not do you think of it? overly profitable did you see this um, yeah so this is <laughs> wait for it guess what I did with this I watched this in two halves okay. because I had to fill some time this became a, a, an ongoing issue whereby I watched this a week apart rather than is this because all the football you went like you yeah, could only had to go and see everything in. Yeah. so I watched this be, uh, the first hour of this before I watched the second hour of uh, The Conjuring 2 which is a great jump to go from that she was getting ready to go for her date and then I went back to the basement Brilliant. it worked really really well and then I spent I missed a week because I was in Leon at, at a football match and then I came back and watched it uh, before I went to Independence Day. It's all about looking at that timetable for Cineworld for anyone who's curious about how to <laughs> yeah, do this. Yeah. And I have on Cineworld Unlimited Card and registered all and bought my tickets to each one of these appearances in a cinema. So I'm not doing anything untoward. I'm just not sitting in there for the full duration yeah. of my uh-huh. my allocated ticket. But um, I thought it was I love Melissa McCarthy and I love Kristen Bell as well. 
Um, it's obviously very, it's a bit crap, but there's plenty of laughs in it. I liked as well the kind of boyfriend character. Was he in a TV show called Chuck? Did you recognise him? I think he... He's he, kind of sweet. Yeah, no, but I think he's like the sidekick in that... Um, the devil, you know, where someone dies and he owes his soul to the devil. And he's just trying to, you know... Okay, I don't know. The back. love interest. Though. Yeah, yeah. I bought mm. into him um, as well. And uh, yeah, she just randomly would throw in a one-liner that I'll just burst my whole laugh and, and you're like so it, you know the infamous sort of six laugh five laugh test whatever you want to call it, it passes that but you're cringing at the end Kathy Bates is in it for what five seconds oh yeah yeah and yet she was third in the credits I was interested in the politics of that she wasn't a and Kathy Bates and featuring yeah you know she was very much came second but uh, yeah like perfectly fine it hasn't really been fine. a solid month is it an movies? airplane film would we oh, define totally, it as yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. Or a Netflix one where you don't need to be spending money on the boss at all. But uh, it's good to see Melissa McCarthy doing her own thing and putting on some fancy wigs, falling over and then just speaking in a high voice. And how to get into it. People exploded at the couch gag, which is in the trailer like twice. And I was like, yeah. how are you still laughing at this? But it's kind of with Bad Neighbours as well, the airbag oh, yeah, gag yeah. as well. Mm. Um, people laugh at that so much as well. And you're like, this... This is the physical slapstick comedy. I don't find that very funny at all, but heavy, heavy person in pain. Yeah. Ha yeah. ha ha. Anyway, um, we might take a clip now from our next one, which is uh, Elvis and Nixon. You got to see this as well. I think I saw yep. this just today. Um, not Frost Nixon. Not Frost Nixon. This film came out of nowhere. So I emailed this to you and Ethan when we had a... Got, I got emailed a trailer for it and I said this is mad like completely under the radar and then you're just like Michael Shannon as Elvis Kevin Spacey as President Richard Nixon and you're, this could be interesting but uh, yeah f- let's let's take a clip uh, here we go I was telling one of the gals outside it reminds me of my Graceland oh uh, it does does it uh, how many square feet uh, is uh, this uh, Graceland of yours not sure 10,000, maybe? Well, that is a fine size for a home, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's more than fine. Of course, the White House here is, I think, about uh, 55,000 feet, something like that. Well, actually, I've made a few additions, so uh, maybe a little more than that, but I don't think it's the size of a man's home that defines him, you know? M&Ms are my favorite. Oh, mine too. So, Mr. Presley... How can I help you? So he wants a badge. Wants to be made a... FBI agent at large. At large, yeah. For With a focus on drugs and narcotics. Um, yeah, a, a weird a weird film. Um, I come across the story. Uh, there's a program on Comedy Central called Drunk Histories. They're doing an English version of it now. It's kind of crap, but it was an American thing originally. Yeah, I've seen clips of it. Yeah, so basically we get Nigel drunk. He tells us a story from history. And it's enacted by famous people, but they're not saying anything. It's just your drunk ramblings and they're mouthing it out. So in this one, it was the story of this. Uh, Better Call Saul played Nixon. Jack Black was Elvis. And it was, uh, you know, the big beefy security guy from Green Room. Yes. He was telling the story. So he's obviously somebody in America and he was drunk. So this is how I'd heard about the story. So I was like, oh, cool. I've made a feature film out of it. Daily. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so directed by Liza Johnson, who is a pretty much unknown. She directed a film that made 80,000 
euro or dollars and start cursing week. I can't even remember what it was called. It looked pretty poor, bad reviews, didn't really get seen by anyone. Um, but she got this film made probably based on the strength of that cast, um, I would think. Um, I wonder if Johnny Knoxville involved somehow because he's in, like, is he a producer or something? Yeah, I don't know. He plays one of Elvis's uh, buddies and alongside Alex Petifer, uh, who was in the first Magic Mike film um, also as a kind of buddy who is also the kind of tried to shoehorn in uh, him having a bit of a romantic thing going on where he's going to propose to his wife at home and Elvis is a bit weird but anyway the 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 all that is bullshit but the the good stuff is that kind of 20 minutes well I thought where um Elvis and Nixon actually sit down and have a bit of a laugh um I really enjoyed that the two of them both really really good performances which saved it for me because you get a a real look at the kind of weaknesses and insecurities probably for both of them two of the most famous men on the planet and and everything like that but I just don't think it could have it should have been like an 80 I think it's only 88 minutes so they even that even felt quite long to me could have been about an hour bit of a fun yeah because it is just about the meeting like it's yeah they're like oh we're gonna go meet him and then we're waiting around to see if we get a phone call from him what I was glad about was um I like Elvis but he also was not a very good person in a lot of ways like so while everyone's like oh he bought houses for his for mama and his family and everything like that he the power that he had in the in the in the sixties and seventies when civil rights movement was all happening in the south where he was from, from Memphis of course, and the Vietnam War, and he just sort of like completely hid behind it, and then actually went on this slight thing against youth culture and drugs. Communist, yeah, he was real square. Yeah, so that was it. Like that, he held such power and could have. I don't know could have kind of at least held some role as a yeah but it's kind of interesting though that he wasn't like he's not like the Beatles or something he is just kind of like no I'm yeah I'm he's I like am. a John Wayne character yeah yeah where yeah. he's just like no. and so that was good it was good they didn't mm. they didn't whitewash that at all he's there as like conservative didn't he become Elvis. a massive like pill popping cocaine addict towards the end of his life I thought it was all sort of prescription stuff oh like, okay I do not know yeah I'm what my favourite thing though I was in Graceland a couple of years ago as you might remember at the end of my American thing his TV room that he the the, the, film, the film the premise for the whole thing is kind of set up when he sat down he watched three TVs simultaneously it was Elvis this kind of thing and he then he just keeps seeing Vietnam footage uh, like what else is there kind of dro- like football. Woodstock stuff oh, there's yeah, an American football yeah. game but anyway he shoots the three TVs because um, he's obviously sick of What's on? Did they have the bullet holes? Um, no, they didn't have the bullet holes. It's just the decor, that poxy kind of oh, okay, yeah, yeah. carpet and yellow thing, and the way the TVs were. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But anyway, the kind but of I did, like, I did like it. Like, I, it was again, didn't feel like something worthy of of the big screen. Like, this was a nice, fun character portrait, and they are very good in it. Yeah, and it was quite funny. There was lots of times where, like, it is just ridiculous, you know. And I wonder, would like Elvis fans be pissed off? Because it's just kind of making out this is a nonsense. He's crazy. Nixon's a crook. The whole thing's a joke. Mm. Like, it does have nice touches. And, like, only Michael Shannon can give that kind of weird pathos to a character where he's just like, you know, he says the thing about his brother dying. And you're just like, mm. Jesus, that's a bit heavy. Like, I yeah. do think that did plague Elvis a lot of the time. Yeah. But he kind of gives him that weight that I don't know if Elvis had. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I was just loving seeing Michael Shannon as Elvis. That was a, a nice little moment as well when he's doing himself up as Elvis, so brushing his hair with his hairspray and everything, and he points at his black hair dye, and you're like, oh yeah, Elvis was a ginger. Yeah. 
Um, so that was, and he talks about a grown man using hairspray, hairspray. and all that. So it's those little things of his insecurities coming across that I did enjoy, but everything else with all the supporting cast, no yeah. thanks. Sorry, guys. But anyway, I'm going, I'm in the three camp. Oh, yeah. yeah so, maybe so three, three. Yeah. It would sort of depend. Again, Cine World Unlimited one for it. Um, so I'm going to just do a quick one. The Secret Life of Pets came out uh, last week and... Um, the big thing is that Louis C.K. is the main voice in it. But he's not kind of listed as that when I went to look at the credits. Anyway, it's by the same creators as Despicable Me. And from the trailer, it looked fantastic. It was just all these pets hanging out in their apartments. The parent, the owners leave and then the pets go mad. You know, they listen to rock music and eat loads of food from the fridge. And I was like, cool, this is, this looks great. You know, it's going to be brilliant. It's not. Because what they've done wow, wow. is the, f- the trailer. Who, may- who makes it? Is it? Oh, I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. it's no one you would know. Like it's not Pixar or something. It's kind of that crowd, despicable me. And yeah. so the first, the trailer is the first two to three minutes of the film. Where I was like, oh, that's cool. It's you know, I'm getting this all out of the way. But it's because what happens is, so Max is a dog, voiced by Louis C.K. His owner gets a new pet called Duke, played by Eric uh, Stone Street, who people will recognise from Modern Family, and. Then it's just how does the the pets adapt to being in the same environment in the house? Then one of them gets out to get captured by, you know, the pound. And then there's this whole escape thing. Sounds like Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, or 101 Dalmatians or any fucking pet film you've ever seen. And I was just like, oh, this is why the trailer didn't show any of it because you wouldn't go see it otherwise. Now, there's this thing with all cartoons or animated films where you're like, I am not really the target audience this film. And I didn't go see a press screen of this. They did that thing where, you know, they released the film at the weekend, the week before it comes out generally. Oh, yeah. So there's loads of like kids and, you know, parents and stuff at it. And the kids were loving it. So it looks really good. It's kind of like has that Ratatouille feel the way they did for Paris. This is kind of like New York. But I was kind of expecting a bit more of a Woody Allen type film, but it, it's not. It's just generic kind of whatever. A couple of laughs, nothing really. It's just meh. So disappointing disappointing and then, completely differently one that I had intended to see this morning but uh, you just want to flag was Embrace of the Serpent which we talked about last month oh yes still haven't got to see it so I don't know yeah. can't talk about it do you like it? Uh, loved it yeah okay. it's going to be my movie moment of the month oh do you want to tell me about that now then? Uh, sure do you want to do Independence Day? sure um, so yeah as I mentioned already saw Independence Day Resurgence there during the week it's very 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 bad I've no love for the first one is it I don't very know long? if that's a no. It's it's sort of what you would expect it to be. It didn't actually feel all that long. It just felt very stupid. I've no love for the first one. Really, I appreciate it and I, you know enjoy it, but I don't. I'm not a big fan of it or anything. Um, but they brought back some of the characters from it who are obviously not dead. Will Smith, his son, is one of the. Key I people. called it. Sorry. There you go. So and his mother is there, but she isn't there for too long. If you know what I mean. She so. was kind of hot in the first one. Yeah, she's, she wasn't kind of hot. She was hot in the yeah, first one. She's older now, but um. Anyway, my favorite bit in it is a kind of a throwback when Bill Pullman's president Thomas J. Whitmore of the speech that we played last month and everything. Nigel Farage. Um, ah, now, but uh, he has spent twenty years suffering from mental illness and bad health and everything like that after what happened. And his daughter, who's the girl from It Follows interesting it's kind of looking after him but then all this shit starts to happen aliens coming back going to attack and all of a sudden he just starts getting healthy 
and he's just you know he's healthy and happy and everything he doesn't need a cane he just props it up against a ladder and just starts walking normally and you're like oh that's how that's how it works um and then eventually when he has a task to do he just uh, gets rid of his big beard that he's had all the way through the film and it's just like oh because obviously a hero can't have a beard so that was it as a bearded man i kind of enjoyed it's very it's it's dumb and it's almost bits of it are enjoyable, but there's not. It it tries to be a bit more serious and How does Jeff have come a out bit of more it? weight. Him and his dad, uh, I can't remember Judd Hirsch. Yeah, the guy from Taxi. Exactly, are the the stars of it. They should you could cut their little back and forth into like a nice little ten minute montage, five minutes maybe, and that's the heart and soul. And of is it. the crazy All the young people scientists are in so it? shit in it. You know the guy yes. when they go to like Roswell and there's that ah yeah. oh, brilliant. He's in a coma. Oh, but then not for long. Class. I think I'll go check it it's, out for nostalgia. You know, it's yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like knowing, knowing the first film, you, you, there's an appreciation from it, but it just wears thin by having the younger cast in it. Mm. It just drags you down, and you're there wondering, well, who's it for? Is it for people of our generation? And we'll then tell our younger brothers and sisters or kids about. It. So I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to our movie moments of the month. Mine well, is... Oh, that was my movie Oh, that was your moment. movie moment. Sorry, okay. Yeah, when his beard is shaved. <clears throat> Brilliant. So there you go. Why didn't you shave your beard? Because You're going to get nowhere with this beard. I'm not in a life-saving That's what's holding scenario. us back from being on the radio, our beards. No, life-saving is quite as well. So, Embrace of the Serpent. Uh, Zoe did a kind of chalk round for this couple of months back um, so I was kind of intrigued by it and it's fantastic it's uh, it was nominated for the best foreign film for Columbia at the Oscars um, it's directed by Cyro Guerra and it tells the story of kind of two it's a parallel story of two explorers going down the Amazon one is about 1909 and he's looking both of them are looking for uh, a Yakaruma plant which kind of has medicinal properties and uh, Amazonian shaman by the name of Karamakate takes them on this journey so we start off with kind of the later one where he's older and it's a guy who wants to retrace the guy in 1909 and then so it kind of splits between very young shaman and then kind of an older one and they take the same path so you can see my movie moment is when he's younger he they go past this like christian monastery you know it's like uh the crusade not the crusades the what are the missions you know that go to these colonies and try yeah and um then they go back later and it's turned into apocalypse now like 40 years later because what happens when they went originally they the priests were horrible and they're beating the shit out of the kids so they killed the chief monk who was there and then when they come back 40 years later it's kind of you know, the patients are in charge of the asylum. They've created this crazy guy who thinks he's Jesus. And it's just insane. It's just like just 20 minutes of real. Because people have compared the film to Apocalypse Now. And I can see where they're coming at. And that like 20 minute scenario is brilliant. The whole thing shot in monochrome. It looks lovely. It gets a bit weird towards the end. It gets a bit uh, 2001. Where it gets a bit all, you know, one with the jungle and Amazon, but I kind of love that stuff. So I was That's just very like, Kubrick, Kubrickian. Yeah. So I was good. Just like, still blown. playing in Lighthouse IFI. So well, it's four and a half, maybe a five. So it's definitely yeah movie of the month. Very good. Um, we'll quickly then for February. July. Big quick thing for July, not February. I got very confused there. Uh, my pick that I'm going to shout out about July it's out it's out on July the 8th 
Uh, next week it's uh, Maggie's Plan, directed by Rebecca Miller, Daniel Delos's other half wife, uh, and Arthur th- Miller's daughter. Yeah, we give Daniel Delos the the lead credit there. But um, anyway, what she's managed to do is just take four of my favorite people, chuck them into a film. So she's got Greta Gerwig, Maya Rudolph, Ethan Hawke. And Julianne Moore. And Bill Hader is also in there. So he's actually a fifth one of my favourite people. So anyway, it's pretty much a Woody Allen style film. Um, I got to see it today. Uh, where we seem, to only be defined, we seem to only be defining women by who they're married to or their fathers. But they're all mm-hmm. women in their own way. Anyway, sorry, go Ab- on. Absolutely. Well, I haven't mentioned anything about Greta Gerwig. I guess we can talk about Noah Baumbach um, if we're going to mention <laughs> her. But anyway, uh, it's very in that world of... Noah Bombach and Woody Allen films where Greta Gerwig is playing a woman in her early 30s who has to face a decision in life and oh no she's brilliant in it. she's playing the exact same person she always plays and the film is shot really nicely comfortably it's really it's a lovely film to exist in the story you know is it's what it is it's a bit bonkers I've, I, I know the yeah. basic plot outline for it yeah, yeah but like because of the casting and the setting and everything is really enjoyable but it's out on July the 8th Cool. Yeah. Mine is out July the 11th. It's Ghostbusters, directed by Paul Figg and with the all-female cast of Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. Uh, they were all on Graham Norton a couple of weeks back and it was great. It looks hilarious and I can't wait to see it. You know, screw the haters. Yeah, I don't think... this all that crap, but they... I'm looking forward to the film actually coming out and getting to see... I saw a scene of it in a, an extended, like, four-minute scene. I thought it looked great. Great mm. fun. Like so the first film isn't being taken away, you know. No, Hate and like shock hard. Go back to the first one. It's not amazing. Yeah, but but also it's still there. Yeah, exactly. Grant, you just know? leave it, guys. Just leave it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we speaking of July. Yeah. What's that? The Galway yeah. film flash. So running from well, basically from next Tuesday to next Sunday. Can't remember those dates. Is it the fifth to the tenth? Yeah, I think it's the fifth to the tenth in Galway. Um, is the film flower which we have been going to for maybe three, four, five years at this stage. So it's always a great weekend. We should have the Saw Doctors pour under week. this segment, okay. you know, and bring 17. a bit of them in. Yeah. Right there. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I've picked out two that I particularly. It's a it's a strong program as always. It's always a great showcase for up-and-coming Irish films getting their first look. Maybe not the giant ones, the likes of Brooklyn and Room sidetracked it last year, but the ones that aren't going to be getting, let's say, American premieres or something, this is usually the first look uh, at them. So two that I've picked out are both the Irish ones, and they both play on the Friday. So A Date for Mad Mary is the name it's directed by Darren Thornton, and it has a Drogheda connection. Nigel's hometown of Drogheda. So... Um, I'll just quickly read out the summary to, uh, tells the story of Mad Mary McArdle returning to Drogheda after a short spell in prison for something she'd rather forget back home everything and everyone has changed her best friend Charlene about to get married and Mary is maid of honour so yeah I don't really know much about it I don't want to know too much about it I'm just kind of looking forward to it's always the best way like when you went to Sing Street and it was all filmed outside your house that was sort of interesting so yeah. I don't know it's going to be fun um, it and then and the next one I have is one that Ryan Tuberty of all people has said is brilliant not sure how is it about JFK? no Ooh. it's called The Young Offenders so um, this is inspired by Ireland's coke, uh, the big cocaine 
seizure, Ireland's biggest cocaine seizure, which was nearly half a billion off the coast of Cork in 2007. It follows two inner city teenagers from Cork, Connor and Jock, as they embark on a 160 kilometre road trip on stolen bikes in the hope of finding a bale of coke. Here's a clip. The yacht containing 61 bales of cocaine got into trouble off the south coast of Ireland. The largest cocaine seizure in the history of the state. If you're under the age of 16, you're classified as a young offender, which basically means you can't get in trouble. For some reason, they thought that our brains weren't developed enough, you know, that we wouldn't know what we were doing or something. I know, it's stupid, isn't it? Thanks, Nick. Is that the rubber bandits? Without uh, plastic bags? Uh, not to be you know I, sectarian I, or whatever that is uh, don't think so but the director ha- uh, did the horse outside video so maybe there's a link here I don't think so I don't know what they look like without plastic no, bags I don't think so they I don't do, know. no they're too young for it but he directed the horse outside video so Brilliant. anyway director Peter Foote that's playing on the Friday the, at 8pm tickets are still there and it's out at the middle of September as well so you're getting an early look at the two two I would say hopefully successful Irish films mm. that are on the way. Did you anything pr- from yeah. perusing the program that caught your eye? So my picks are from Saturday and Sunday. I've one on Saturday called History's Future. It's directed by Fiona Tan, who's originally from Australia and now lives in the Netherlands. And uh, it's her first feature film, and it stars Marco Halloran. And what was it called, sorry? Uh, History's Future. History. He plays a character who's lost his memory. He's only known as MP which stands for missing person and he kind of is or traveling Minister of Parliament he's traveling through Europe trying to figure out his identity and it's also seen as like an essay piece and how all of Europe is kind of falling apart uh, what also kind of sparked my interest is the script was written by Fiona Tan the director but also Jonathan Romney who does reviews for The Observer and The Guardian when Mark Mode as well so it's like oh that's cool The Observer has a new I think film critic a lady doing stuff as well Fair play. Yeah. So that's at 2pm on Saturday in the Town Hall. Then also on Saturday is Mom and Me, which is at 6pm. It's directed by Ken Wardrobe, not Wardrobe. And uh, Oklahoma was voted the most manly state in America a while back. So it's the director of His and Her. And he's gone to look at men's relationship with their mothers. So it's the same kind of his and her format documentary. Looks fun and, you know. Played at, was it Sundance or South by Southwest or something? And everyone got a lot of loved it, talk yeah. about it. So. so that's on at 6pm. There's both tickets for that. Now, I feel like it's sold out, but I kind of want to give it a shout out. Is on Sunday at half eight. I think it'll get a lot of talk about it. A closing it's film. Called so. Sanctuary, yeah. Uh, in the Town Hall Theatre. It's directed by Len Collin. And uh, it's about Laurie and Sophie who have intellectual disabilities and they basically want to get intimate with each other, and which is illegal. So they try and con Tom, their care worker, to get them a room in a hotel. And it's kind of looking at this whole thing of like, well, what's OK and what's not? And the whole debate around intellectual disabilities. And you just don't really see too many films about it. So yeah. if you know anyone or if you've got any connections who can get you a ticket, I'd say it'll be well worth seeing. So that's Sanctuary. Sanctuary. And that's the closing film. Yeah, on Sunday at 8.30. So it's on from next Tuesday. Tuesday, we think the 5th till Sunday. The we Sunday. think the 10th. Yeah. Just going to give those days. Anyway, check out the website. It's fantastic. Uh, exactly. Um, we might wrap up very quickly with a bit of a seminal Roddy Doyle, The Van, Football fever gripped the nation there for a couple of weeks. Dreams over. Wasn't to be, but we're certainly better than England. Yay. Bye. See you next month. Bye. Yes, son. Chocolate. What? It's chocolate. Will you fuck off, Ellen? What's that?
big burger. Right, and what does it say up there? Bimbos. Burgers. Right, and what else? Fresh fish. Today's chips today. That's right. It doesn't say anything about a chalk ice, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! Ah, dies only little young flit. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop?